bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. Visit nintendo.com slash us slash switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. From the American Museum of Natural History in New York City, and beaming out across all of space and time, this is Star Talk, where science and pop culture collide. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And today's episode is Cosmic Queries, the Out There edition. We're talking about not just astrophysics, but the extremes of astrophysics in space, time, and dimensions. While I have some expertise in that topic, I don't have all the expertise necessary to pull this off. So we called in my friend and colleague, Jana Levin. Jana! Okay, thank you for coming. I love being here. Not your first rodeo. Yeah, not my first rodeo, but I haven't been in your office in a long time. Okay, well, it's it's gotten messier, just so you know. (laughs) In kind of a good way, almost like a, I don't know, curatorial way. The curatorial way. (laughs) And uh, helping me bring some levity to this topic uh, is the one and only Harrison Greenmount. Harrison. How you doing? Welcome. I do think we need to get Marie Kondo up in here. Oh, really? <laughs> you have to see which things spark joy. <laughs> it all sparks joy. I'm There's a conflagration <laughs> of joy. Get the hell out of my office. Exactly. <laughs> we'll barricade it. We'll barricade it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you're a comedian and a magician? Yes, that's, absolutely. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Dude, stay here. I don't want you to Classic disappear. Classic double threat. <laughs> don't make my guests disappear today, right? Absolutely. Right. <laughs> um, I use my powers for good. I'm a good witch. <laughs> and so uh, we'll find you at HarrisonGreenbaum.com. Yeah, for, uh, Your tour schedule and everything. And also maybe Comedy Central will book me if this is my website.com, which I did register. Oh, oh really? Okay. <laughs> we all froze for a second. Yeah, okay. okay. It's a very long domain. For some reason, it was available. Like, there was a real beat there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Jana, you're an expert on, on, on the large-scale universe, on black holes. Um, your recent book was the Black Hole Blues. Was yeah. that? Yeah, I've you been... know, you said it better than anyone ever. I once got you to say the whole title, which you might not remember, was Black Hole Blues and other songs from outer space. And you did your best DJ voice, Neil. I can't. I'm not, I don't even know if I have it recorded. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, let me try it again. <laughs> the Black Hole Blues and other songs from outer space. 
<laughs> Does that work for you? Okay, really you got that. But put that on your ringtone. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm a big fan of the blues in general, so I was I was enchanted by the title. Uh, so Harrison, if you remember, this is also not your first rodeo, but yeah. uh, you're not a regular on the show. Uh, for Cosmic Queries, we solicit questions from our fan base through all the social media channels and then some. And you, the co-host, are the only one who's seen these questions. I That's haven't right. seen them. Jan hasn't seen them. And you're just going to read them. And Jan and I will try to answer them. And if we can't answer, we'll just say, I'll say, I don't know. She's not going to say, I don't know. This I is just, just, oh, yeah. I might just make some stuff up. <laughs> some stuff up. <laughs> who's going who's gonna to call, call your stuff? I'll, 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 maybe I'll call you out on it. By then, I'll be home. <laughs> <laughs> so, Harrison, so what do you have yeah, for us? Since you haven't seen these, I could just be making these up. That's true. That, that would be Secret. hard, though. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So we'll start we with. We got a- good people who listen to our stuff. So that's the first question. Says, how do you make Harrison a regular? <laughs> that, was, that came from my mom. <laughs> Definitely on the sheet. Okay. Um, no. So here's the Patreon question. Patreon. From, yes. Oh, so you, out of all those questions, you went and found the Patreon question and put it first. Absolutely, every time. That is kissing ass. You realize this. <laughs> Gotta do it. <laughs> okay. Zachary right. Spradlin from the Patreon, and thank you for supporting uh, the. Question is, given your vast knowledge of physics, I'm, I'm sure they're talking to me, um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on a holographic universe? Would 100% empirical evidence of a holographic universe change how you behave on a day-to-day basis? Imagine if we could access the universal holographic database. Whoa, that's a good one. No, Jana, that's like I, a three-parter. I've tried to fully understand the holographic universe, and yeah. I only kind of skim the surface yeah. of it. So if you have it's a deeper spectacular, if you have a deeper sense of this, well, I would totally want to know. Yeah, it's not something I specifically have worked on, but I pay very close attention to it in the hopes that one day I'll have a good enough idea to actually jump in the fray. Okay, <laughs> and just to be clear, so when you do your work, you're a theorist, yeah, yeah. and you're very um, pen and paper, yeah, old fashioned, old fashioned, totally old fashioned wow. pen and paper. So you're you're really cheap. Yes, I, <laughs> you're a non-expensive scientist. If you want to give me a grant, I can do my research. <laughs> Couple thousand dollars. Seriously, lowest level in terms of equipment and supplies. I think somebody will buy you a MacBook. Like somebody well, at, least, at least an iPad. Yeah, and that's only to check my social media. A very large iPhone. We can get this done. You got we. You and um, I got this. We got yeah. this. So, so you, just just so people know. Yeah. Uh, you're a professor of astrophysics yeah. at Barnard College in Columbia University. Yeah. So, which is right up the street here. Right which is up great. the street. Okay. Yeah. So so. So go on. So, so um, the holographic universe. So a hologram, the whole idea of a hologram is that you really have two-dimensional information, but it creates the illusion of being three-dimensional. That's just what a hologram means. Yeah, because when you look at it, like yeah. your, 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 your credit card ha- might have a holographic bird on it. Right, but something. it's a two-dimensional object. Of course it's two-dimensional because it's flat. It's flat, but it looks like a full three-volumed thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the reason why they these physicists coined it holographic is precisely because they're imagining that all of the information that is required to understand the universe can be encoded on just a surface as opposed to in the full space. So for a black hole, this arose because if you look, a black hole doesn't physically have anything at its surface, but we imagine the event horizon as a surface, the the region beyond which no information can escape. And the idea was that everything about the black hole, that all the information the black hole could possibly contain is equivalent to the amount of information that can be packed on the surface and nothing more. And you cannot, and and they've proven this over many years, back back since Hawking, you cannot have more information than the information you can pack on the surface. And the reason why this You're saying more information can't get into the black hole than can be stored on the surface of the event horizon. Yes, that the, you can prove that the information content of the black hole scales like the surface area of the black hole, the event horizon, okay. and not like the volume. 
And so the idea would be, well, we could maybe make an so object. He's shaking his head. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, saw I did that, that calculation. I, I, I like. The, I used to have those hologram stickers of yeah. like cats. Yeah. Does oh that get God. me anywhere close it to does. understanding? So, <laughs> so they, you know, it's one thing to kind of think about that, but then it took really years before people like Leonard Susskin started saying, "Oh wait, a, that's, it's a physicist. At, he's a uh, physicist Stanford? at Stanford, Stanford and just an incredibly creative thinker." And Leonard he, Susskind. Yeah, mm-hmm. and great New Yorker from the Bronx was a plumber. Bronx son. in the house. Yeah. Bronx. In the hologram, he's, he's got that tough guy accent still. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he really started to think about this. Like, let's say I tried to have information that actually scaled, like the volume, like so that'd be a lot more information than you would think you could pack on the surface. And you can prove that. Well, then you just make a black hole. And we know about black holes fundamentally that you cannot have more information in the black hole than you can put on the surface. But what does it mean to put information on a okay. surface that does not exist? That's very subtle. So it really, it's really the idea. I would. There's two ways to say. One is to just say, oh, the information content of the black hole has been proven to scale like the area. And then the string theorists started to think, well, maybe that physically means it's like there on the horizon. That the as, event horizon. The event horizon. That as something falls into the black hole, um, it might appear to the poor astronaut that thinks they're falling into the black hole uh, that they have crossed the event horizon and met their fate in the interior. But to us on the outside, it may appear, and this is a string theory suggestion, that it's actually physically smeared on the outside in the quantum string um, states that are permitted on the outside and that it never gets inside. So what about the fact that if I watch someone fall into a black hole, I see their time slow down. Yes. And so, as it, and at the event horizon, it has stopped. Exactly. So can we say that all this stops at the black hole as far as I can see? I mean, it certainly is driven by some of those early um, confusion about that. So uh-huh. it does seem... For as far as we're concerned, it never crosses. Right. Um, but to the astronaut themselves, they, they just fall straight they in. They sail right through. Right. So it's literally suggesting like quantum complementarity created this whole, there are two things that seem incompatible that can exist at the same time. It's literally suggesting that the astronaut both falls in and does not. And is smeared on the surface. And smeared on the surface. But there's no single person in the universe who would be able to experience both things. So no single person has a contradiction. Ooh, I see. When you talk a, about encoding information on the surface, yeah. you mean like the way like there's a California tattoo on Adam Levine where yeah. we know he's from <laughs> California? Yeah. He's only tattoos on the surface. That's it all just, he is. It, looks like, yeah. it looks like a three-dimensional body, <laughs> yeah. but it's really just skin tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me something. If I think people freeze at the surface, yeah. then they're not living out their lives. We're living out our lives. Yeah. How could we be in the, every hologram I've seen? Yeah. It's a it's a frozen image. Right. It's not or it right. repeats in so some that's what trivial we would see, way. We would see them freeze. Uh, you know, but I'm not frozen. So how right. can I be a hologram? So oh, I see what you're saying. So so um, it would wait, wait. be. I don't think. I'm frozen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Um, it's you, like the end of Ma- the Mary Tyler Moore opening credits where she like freezes. Oh, she hat. freezes yeah. there when she flips up her hat. Right. Is that what yeah. we're talking Harrison, about? How old are you? <laughs> I have no age. <laughs> we're just a how fan you, of Mary Tyler Moore. How yeah. that show's been off the air since? We're at the edge of a black hole, so my life has just stopped. 1872, that show has been off the air. Just want you to know. So okay. I would say the idea that holograms are frozen is just a technology problem. You certainly could make a hologram that was updating the information on the surface and therefore moving in time. So it doesn't have to be frozen to be a hologram, but it does have to be two-dimensional and nonetheless appear three-dimensional. Why can't so, we be a three-dimensional hologram yeah. of a four-dimensional space? Um, 
Well, that's not not bad. If a hologram is one dimension less, yes, it could be the case, and there's definitely. And are we four dimensions? There, well, three space and one time. Yeah, so there. Don't go back on us on that one. I'm not going back on you on that one, but there is some confusion about that time dimension. But but whether it behaves as a space dimension, it clearly does to some extent. Full blooded, but to some extent, it doesn't because I can turn left and right. But I, I can't Wait, go fo- in space. No, yeah. but I, can't I don't think go- my car has that set. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't go forward and backward in time, right? So I right. can't. I can't do both directions. You in have time. mobility in right. t- space coordinates, and I can and not see in things in both directions. I can see something to the right, and I can see something to the mm. left. I can see something in the past, where the light travels across the universe and gets to me. But I cannot see something from the future. So we are prisoners of the present, forever trapped. Between a past we cannot access and a future we cannot see. <laughs> you know, you're such I think a that's the new opening to the Twilight. Excited <laughs> <laughs> for the reboot. Cue the music. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's cool. So, yeah. so if we, so let's get back to the question. Yeah. yeah. If we know, this one question could keep us busy the whole time. A hundred percent. If we are a hundred percent sure that we are a hologram, should we behave any differently? Uh, that's, and, and who are we a hologram to? Yeah, so this is... On whose black hole surface are we? <laughs> right, so then, well, so people have a harder time understanding holography in the cosmological context moving <clears throat> away from the black hole. But the idea is the black hole is the terrain on which we learn fundamental thinking. So we should use the lessons that we can only learn there, the evidence that only exists there, but, okay, to understand the whole universe. As, as a cue. Yeah. As a, as proxy. Right, so then we turn out and we say, ah, oh, the universe is expanding so rapidly, we have a cosmic horizon. We do. We do. There is a region beyond which we cannot see as long as the universe expands at this pace and the light can never get to us race though it might because the expansion of the universe will will um, exceed it so we are analogous cosmologically to a black hole but and we are the, inside its event yeah, horizon yeah it's like an inverted one and we're inside the event horizon and there's stuff beyond it that we'll never know about us and we'll never know about them and so can we make a holography of that and then yes can I make a holography of just you and I. But you see, we have so much less information than the maximum we could pack on us that that's why we haven't tested whether or not we're holographic animals. Mm. So, you know, holography requires a more sophisticated thing than just like printing words in a book, which is not holographic, but it's way less than the maximum amount of information than you can pack. And the hologram is an example of packing a lot more Right, so if you made a human being that was packing the maximum amount of information that they possibly could, they would be, turn into a black hole. <laughs> or they'd have a really full backpack. Yeah. <laughs> so holography doesn't say you can't have things with less information that are just not, you know, as extraordinary. It just says that's, you know, that's the maximum that we can okay, have. And so it's you, all you, an illusion that we really are two dimensional. You're flipping me out a little bit here. So just let me just say, and I'm yeah. and I'm an astrophysicist, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So. Why did you all of a sudden, mm-hmm. without anybody's permission in this conversation, yeah. equate <laughs> matter with information? Because when I think of matter, yeah. concentration of matter as, yeah. a, as a star guy, right. I, I studied stars. Yeah. You pack in the matter right. and you get a black hole. Right. Now you're saying you're going to pack information yeah. and you're going to get an information black hole. Right. I mean, is that the same thing? I think that the shift um, that I'm feeling and that I'm learning from other people as well is that um, matter is just information. So what does it mean to say 
an electron is matter. What we mean is it has a certain charge, it properties. has a certain spin, it has a certain number of quantum properties, and those quantum properties quant qualify as information. And it completely defines what the and thing it is. And there's no such thing as an electron that's a little bit heavier or a little bit lighter, right. spins a little faster, a little slower, has which a is, little more charge or a little less charge. Which there's is no such thing. Right. Every electron yeah. is identical, identical to every other electron. There's literally no history to it. It's it like has all the Kardashians. No <laughs> 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 which one is that one? Yeah, the only thing that I need to know is its position in space. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so um, the idea there is that the electron is simply the collection of, of information mm -hmm. about it. And that is its identity. And so then we start to think, well, what else does it mean to be physically real is just th that list of quantum properties. Wow. So, so I think that the shift is to say, look, it's just math and information. And we got to stop thinking so concrete, you know, feeling. Like, like, we know that this is an illusion. I can't put my hand through your leg, even though we both know it's mostly empty space we on are, both parts. We are mostly empty yeah. freaking space. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, voids. Two voids. That's the secret to one of my tricks. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you which one. Because you're also a magician. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so there's a... It's all quantum. There's a famous <laughs> comment. I'm going to paraphrase it. It, and it might be apocryphal, but it's great anyway. Um, Rutherford, was it Rutherford? Who discovered um, that the atom was empty? I think it was Rutherford. Yeah, I mean, with, it was with the gold the foil stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what you do is you get a really thin gold foil, like aluminum foil, this is gold foil. Mm -hmm. Hammer it really thin. That's what I assume Trump wraps all the sandwiches. I was going to say, ah, it's a good one. <laughs> Very Trump uh, 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 gilded, everything. So then you hang it there and you fire particles at it. And you ask... How often does a particle hit a gold atom, and how often does it pass through? Because you make it really, really thin. And it turns out most particles pass right through the foil. No damage done. No damage done, no, mm -hmm. not deflected, nothing. Mm -hmm. And he concluded that most of atoms are completely empty space. Mm -hmm. And he's rumored the next morning, after, after, after having contemplated this, that he was afraid to step <laughs> onto the floor getting out of his bed. For fear of for, falling fear through. he might fall through. The floor, mm -hmm. because he alone on Earth knew how empty matter mm -hmm. actually is. Yeah. I figured that out by looking at Republican heads. <laughs> <laughs> Very empty. <laughs> Reading their tweets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, is it fair then to say mm -hmm. that so in astrophysics there's something called a degenerate state, which is is not a statement about its moral fiber. I but, would say most comedians are in a degenerate state. <laughs> uh, degeneracy uh, has to do with whether two atoms or particles can occupy the same state at the same time, the same configuration. And electrons, mm -hmm. two identical electrons cannot be in the same place at the same time. They mm -hmm. have to be separated. And so mm -hmm. there's a pressure Associate. because they will not, you, there's a limit to how close you can get them. Mm -hmm. And now based on how you describe it, I'm thinking, mm -hmm. If you do that, you're putting too much information in one place. Ooh, that's mm. interesting idea. Look at Ooh. you, Neil. So the Pauli exclusion principle Would being be a, caused by an information an information limit. Want to write a paper on that? Let's do it. Let's do oh my god, I'm gonna science? I'm gonna be up all night now. Oh, let's do that. Ah, I all love it. All of the degenerate it. states. It's an information I love it. problem. I think that's a lovely idea. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about that later. We gotta take a break. <laughs> do I get co-credit? <laughs> <laughs> Am I gonna be in a paper? <laughs> yeah, in the credits. Uh, yeah, Harrison made us laugh during this, <laughs> during this paragraph. Moral support. I was. The cheerleader. <laughs> so we come back more Cosmic Queries out there edition. Sleep, grocery shopping, themselves, just a few things working moms seldom have time for. And during tax season, you can add 
taxes to their list. So for all you working moms, make the easy switch to H&R Block and have an expert make easy work of your taxes. H&R Block guarantees your taxes are 100% accurate and your max refund or your money back. Plus, with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even have an H&R Block Tax Pro do your taxes in a block office or online from the comfort of your own home. Can your current tax guy promise all that? When you're buried under life's to-dos, let the experts at H&R Block stay on top of your taxes with a return that's right on the money and your biggest refund possible. Because tax season after tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Descriptions of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Unlocking the secrets of your world and everything orbiting around it. This is Star Talk. We're back. Star Talk, Cosmic Queries, the out there edition. All parts of the universe that are far away and freaky. And <laughs> we've got some good expertise for that in Jan 11, Janet. Good to have you. And of course, <laughs> Harrison. So uh, this is the uh, second segment. You're reading yeah. questions. The first segment, we got through only one question. Yeah, but it was a doozy. It was a doozy. <laughs> all about holograms. So what else do you have for us? This is from Facebook from Nate uh, Gaudioso. And he said, could the entire known universe be the result of a white hole? Ooh. Ooh do you want to try it? Ooh. Mm. Well, let me let me put white holes on the map, and then you yeah. take it from there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, back in the 1970s, when the mathematics of black holes was being explored and formulated, it might have been late 1960s, but it was not deep back in the in the century. It was like that late, if you will. Uh, people noticed that the equations that give you a black hole have a legitimate opposite solution to them. So let me test. Harrison, let me test your, <laughs> your ninth grade math knowledge. You ready? Okay. Okay, what's the square root of nine? 
Three. Okay, so what's three times three? Nine. Okay. Um, uh, what's negative three times negative three? Also nine. So nine has two solutions, doesn't it? Right. <laughs> right? Square root of nine is negative three. Mm-hmm. Plus or minus, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and positive three. That's, well, you only gave me one solution. Right. The solution you preferred. <laughs> yeah. Right? But there's the, there's the dark side, <laughs> the negative side. So some questions in science, the mathematics of them reveal that there are two answers that are completely authentic and legitimate. And when people were studying black holes and the mathematics of black holes, a second, in Einstein's equations, a second solution emerged that was everything a, a black hole is except the opposite of that. So things only ever came out of this space. And so it, was, it would be white if you were to look for it in the universe. So they said, let's look for these things. And people thought maybe quasars, which are very bright, distant objects in the universe, maybe those are the white hole uh, versions of black holes. And then they said, we have a white hole and a black hole. Maybe they're connected. Mm-hmm. And this was the introduction of a wormhole. Mm. Wormhole would connect a white hole to a black hole. Everything goes in a black hole, comes out mm. the other side. Mm-hmm. So we looked for the properties of a white hole. Quasars did not satisfy those properties, and uh, we kind of gave up on them. So no one's looking for white holes anymore. Yeah. So that's the, that's the farthest I can take it. Jenner. Right, so I, <clears throat> it is a really intuitive idea that... Did I get anything wrong? I think I got... No, yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, sounds yeah. great. Um, it It's very natural to imagine. So let's say everything falls into a black hole, and you think it goes where... And that's the whole crisis about the black hole is not the event horizon and Wait, all that's that thing? The whole crisis? I didn't know. I dropped that's the perfect. W. <laughs> and the whole crisis. Um, the word must have gotten stuck in my head. So the idea would be that you can sew on a white hole onto a, the interior of a black hole. And it kind of makes sense because these singularities that people um, run amok on the streets because they don't, they don't want them to exist in nature and they probably don't exist in nature. And the singularities are so problematic um, that wouldn't it be better instead of having this infinite energy, infinite curvature of space. Infinite density. Infinite density, literally a hole in space. Like the matter gets there in finite time and then what? You don't know what happens to it. It's right. literally like a, a cut in space. It's something where physics breaks down fundamentally. So people had the idea, well, let's get rid of the singularity and sew the black hole onto the Big Bang, which is also a singularity. And so you get rid of both and, and, you, and you repair it. So you're saying at the center of the black hole, it birthed another universe. Yes. So that is really... So casually she just said that. <laughs> I'm talking about inventing a whole freaking universe. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. You got a black yeah. hole. Yeah, whatever. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, still t- I'm still stuck on the plus and minus negative three. <laughs> what, I, what I love the most about that is it means that the black hole, small as it might be on the outside, so let's say our, our sun became a black hole um, by, by some intervention because it wouldn't naturally collapse to a black hole. It's not big enough. But if it were, it would be only about six kilometers across. It'd be a very small object on the outside. But on the inside, it could be as big as a whole universe. So it's like Doctor Who's TARDIS. I was about to say. Yeah. I was so yeah. excited. I was like, that really sounds like a TARDIS. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, so it's hitting the geek <laughs> buttons right there. It's bigger on the inside than the outside suggests. Mm-hmm. And one way it could be bigger is it could be a whole Big Bang. It could be a whole universe. Now, the reason that's sort of fallen out of favor um, is because there are reasons to suggest that if that were true, that the universe would become very unstable to these things. Because if there's just some random probability for a black hole spontaneously creating a universe in its interior, it would be, even though seemingly unlikely, it would just be such a 
what's the word I'm looking for? Such an um, enormous proliferation of them that it would actually make the world unstable. And, um, and so it's sort of, it's sort of fallen yeah, out unstable. of favor. No, it depends There's on who you There's enough instability ask. in the world. <laughs> I'm already this where I need screenplay called the White Hole. So some old-fashioned relativists who only think about space and time still Relativist like the idea. Relativist is someone, an expert on Einstein's relativity. Yes, yeah. and, and studies primarily space-time. And those who study things like string theory and particle physics are less... Are, are more skeptical about the idea because their work seems to suggest this instability. So sometimes the camps are split on this still. Mm. It can, it, it's going to be a very uh, tense dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying is wherever there's a black hole, there's another universe. If, if that's and the so, case, This yes. would be like a Swiss cheese yes. in the higher dimensional... That's right. But that universe... Okay, so space and time switch places interior to the black hole. So while you're imagining a universe which is spatial, the black hole would be in its past and therefore inaccessible. So it, it would look like the Big Bang was solely in the past. It wouldn't be a place you could go to in the new universe. It would be a time in your history. <laughs> we got to take a break. No. <laughs> and they're, they're just now getting rid of CBD products in New York. <laughs> oh, man, the timing is terrible. No, just if I repeat what I think I heard you just say, um, if you fall into a black hole, the universe you came from, you will see the entire future history of the universe unfold in front of you in an instant. Yes. So the black hole is bright on the inside. It bright, bright on the inside. Bigger and brighter on the inside. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right, no, give me another question. No, that's good. I just don't want to let any of the alt-right know about this white hole because they'd be like, see, I told you there's another one. All right. Um, what's your, this is from a Patreon uh, candidate, Frank, uh, uh, contributor, Frank Kane, which I think, is he related to Bob Kane? That's the guy who made Batman. Um, what's, probably not, but Batman shout out. What's your take? Probably not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what is your take on negative mass? I've read that if it exists, we can hold, hold open wormholes, travel backward through time, make a warp drive and all sorts of crazy stuff. If the mass set is possible, do you think that means it really is possible? Ooh. So start there first. Yeah. If you have a mathematical understanding of a theory that is working, yeah. mm -hmm. does everything that comes out of the math have to be true? I mean, we don't obviously know the answer to that question, but it does seem like nature always finds a way. I mean, we've been sitting mm. here talking about Jurassic black Park. holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so black holes were originally just a thought experiment on paper, and, yeah. you know, Einstein thought nature would protect us from their formation. He right. didn't actually think they were real. He thought the math was accurate and beautiful and interesting and important, but not that it could possibly He um, could have form. predicted black holes and just yeah. the idea was so preposterous. He, he literally put it, he literally said, oh, there's much more important things to think about right now. Yeah. And um, the fact that nature figured out a way to make them by killing off a few stars is just kind of amazing. And it seems to happen over and over again, these seemingly implausible concepts um, end up being challenged by our limited, uh, you know, our limited intuition is challenged by, by nature actually doing it. So the point is it. the universe is big enough with yeah. enough things happening that even a completely rare thing is going to happen. Yeah. Or unlikely thing. Now, I'm going to contradict myself and say now if I'm playing devil's advocate, I would say, um, you know, the square root of two. Yes, but the square root of nine. nine. The square root of two, I would say, doesn't exist in physical reality as far as we know. It's only in our minds that it exists. Right. I can't it's make anything that has length square root of two uh -huh. because it will eventually end at some finite digit, which is an approximation of square root of two. But the it's square not two, square root the, two. The, 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 the decimals go on forever, like yes. pi. Yes, mm -hmm. irrational numbers, the decimals go on forever. Yeah. But it, any length of anything 
or any measurement of any kind will only be a rational number and an approximate to an irrational maybe. Right. So we can't measure pi ever, and right. we can't measure anything with with square root of two length. Bumming me out. And so, so no, then I want you a can pi. Say, <laughs> you want to measure pi? I want a pi with diameter pi, so it just goes on forever. <laughs> It'd always right. be baking it. <laughs> so you can say, well, that maybe I just gave you an example that proves that not every mathematical concept can be realized in physical reality. Okay, but I'll give you a pass on that one. I'll okay. give you, what do you call, in golf, what's it called? Uh, give you a... Uh, uh, oh, God, you're asking me sports questions. <laughs> yeah. sports. I remember in high school, I went to the coach. <laughs> a mulligan, give you a mulligan, I think. A mul- there you go. Oh, there's your mulligan. So, no. so all right, so now, yeah. tell, tell us about negative mass. So negative mass is problematic. It but does it exist in anybody's Not formula? that we know of. Um, we have seen negative energies in very subtle contexts where you have... Um, two plates that are very close to each other where you can create a negative energy in the quantum states between the plates. So these are, this is when... I've dated some girls with negative energy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're talking about like a capacitor plate, like metal plates. Yeah. You get them really, really close. Yeah. So they're closer to each other yeah. than the wavelength of the particles in the matter that comprise them. Yeah, in some sense, it's like saying if I can't have a water wave between two walls whose wavelength is longer than the width, of than the the width between the walls. Right, exactly. Right, right, I right. mean, not a standing wave. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the idea is that it prunes some energy, meaning that in some sense there's less states on the inside because of this than there are on the outside where you have a whole continuum of possibilities. So that's negative energy between It can the two create plates. under certain circumstances a negative energy, and then you will see a pressure on the plates. The All plates right, so will either push apart or move together. If matter and energy are equivalent, yeah. E equals mc squared. Yeah. If you're going to give me negative energy, yeah. why can't you hand me negative matter? Yeah, I mean, it... it, There. Well, here's... Okay, so here's the problem with with the negative mass is that it seems highly unstable. So if I literally had a particle who's, like the electron, whose fundamental mass was literally negative and whose E equals mc squared energy was literally negative in that sense, um, then it would be possible to make tons of these and balance it with the generation of positive energy, respect conservation of energy... Right, so then I could get an infinite energy resource by making negative energy particles, because that would have to, by energy conservation, lead to the creation of a positive energy somewhere. So, so runaway argument. And then when you bring them together, they annihilate, and then you have. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're not antiparticles. Maybe they don't annihilate. They just might have negative mass. So, so in other words, I could have zero energy in my laboratory, and I could have the best energy company conceivable. Starting with zero energy. Zero energy. It costs me nothing to make negative energy particles Uh because I just have to create, whether I like it or not, positive energy in response, meaning I can generate incredible positive energy at essentially no cost. And that is just not... Uh, it would be so unstable. It's so, it sounds good at first, like we power New York City at no cost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We get rid of you know fracking and coal and uh-huh. get in all of these you know, fossil fuels. But we also destroy the universe and a completely unstable event where the negative energy runs out of control, creating infinite positive energy and the whole thing blows up. Harrison, I think it was... It sounds like the plot of a supervillain. <laughs> I think I've seen this in a Spider-Man film. <laughs> you, you were going to when after this episode airs. I think sure. it was Kurt Vonnegut so. in one of his books. I don't remember which book. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it said the last sentence ever spoken in the universe <laughs> was by a scientist. Was this in- who says to the other scientist... Let's try it this other way. <laughs> then, right. This is the scenario you just described. Yeah, exactly. The whole universe goes unstable yeah. and disappears. So some people say, look, I have an observation that proves that there's not negative mass particles, and that's the fact that the universe appears to be stable. 
and we're here. For eight, you know, for 14 billion years. Wow. Pretty good. <laughs> All right. Give me another one. All right. Uh, we got... Mike this Berry. stuff is out there square. Yeah, I'm loving it. Oh, this is right up my alley. Man. I was worried you were going to ask me about stuff that happened more recently than like half a billion years ago. Oh, yeah, in which no, case, no, no. I'd be no, lost. Then I, I take care of that one. I'm good with that. All right. We got Mike Berry on Facebook, and he said, I've never heard this explained. If the observable universe is roughly 15 billion years old, as we just said, and a star like ours lasts 12 billion, how can our sun be a third generation star? Oh. So I would say 14 billion is a little bit closer, a little bit less than yeah. 14. Billion, yeah, so no. What's, it, what's a billion but among uh, friends? Between friends, yeah. between <laughs> astronomers. A, yeah, among, um, among astronomers. Yeah, we're, we're, we're around a third generation star. So the life expectancy is not relevant to what generation you are. So there, because the generation that we speak of is we think of the stars that create the elements that are then scattered back into the universe and give another generation this enrichment. Those stars live 100,000 years. Much shorter lived. Much shorter lived. They didn't have the heavy elements, precisely yeah. because they were first generation. Yeah. So you get the, the high mass stars don't live very long. The they, radar just and hydrogen. fortunately, they mm -hmm. blow up. If they didn't blow up, they keep their heavy elements, and the carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, silicon that's in our bodies would be forever locked in stars, and the universe would have never had life, would, have, would not have even had planets. Mm -hmm. Because these high mass stars make these elements and explode, scattering their enrichment across the galaxy. It enables the next generation of stars to have slightly more of this. The next generation of stars to have even more so that you'd expect the frequency of planets and other interesting chemistry to take place with all the elements on the periodic table. The later your generation is, the more chemical latitude you have. <laughs> this is also the story of the Greenbaum family. Oh, is that right? <laughs> the previous generation living shortly, exploding. Oh, I see. And you are particularly enriched. Exactly. With, <laughs> with a lot of chemical latitude. We got time for one more before we take a break? Sure. Uh, we got Jezebel Lorelei from Facebook, and she writes, what's Wait, the small... That's a real name? Jezebel, Jezebel Lorelei. Yeah. Whoa, that's a movie name right there. Yeah. Okay. What's the smallest a black hole can be, and is there a name for the atom that is one neutron less than that atomic weight? Um, it's definitely less than a neutron. So wait, what, so no, wait, actually, it's not. Are those, no, are those two different questions? Yeah. No, it's, it's, there's a comma and an There's a, a comma? Okay. Those have been jammed together. <laughs> Don't you know the trick of answering the question you can and want to? Yeah, yeah. Regardless she, okay. of which one you've She's going to answer the one she, she knows she can answer. Okay, go. So um, I, I can't black remember hole. Just the, the actual number. So we do know, it is conceivable, <laughs> that uh, a microscopic black hole could be made under very extraordinary conditions. Now, we say that the limit of the mass of it is related to the strength of gravity, and that gives us a scale of how, how heavy it could be. And it's heavy compared to things like electrons, but it's incredibly light compared to... Um, Golf balls. Anything, right, else on the... Uh, exactly. So I think it's about the weight of a little pile of sand. Imagine a modest pile of sand. That would be about the weight it could maintain and be consistent with what we think is the limit of the strength of gravity. And it would be an incredibly tiny microscopic black hole. I mean, I can't even... I, I'm, oh, yeah, that'd be really small. It yeah. would be... It would the event horizon really size of that black hole. small. Um, but wait a minute. I should know the number. 10 to the... What, what is it? 10 to the minus... 45 seconds after the Big Bang is around the time of quantum gravity. So yeah. if I multiplied that maybe by the speed of light, I would roughly get the size of the black hole or something like yeah. that. But anyway, okay. you can ask me Ask me later. I'll crunch some numbers. Okay. <laughs> 10 to the minus 15 meters or something. So, yeah. but, but black holes evaporate. So they can become so small that they don't exist at all. Well, those oh, good point. So yeah. those black holes are incredibly unstable to evaporation. 
because yeah. the um, the idea that Hawking uh, foisted on the late us, Stephen that Hawking. the late Stephen Hawking, um, the amazing Stephen Hawking, that black holes, although they let nothing out, they somehow still evaporate, that tremendous paradox that we've been grappling with since the 70s. Um, he also realized that the temperature is colder the bigger the black hole. So they evaporate more slowly the bigger they are. So we've never seen an astrophysical black hole evaporate because they're way too cold for us to perceive evaporation. The big, ones, yeah. the big ones that are made by dead stars. A microscopic one made in the early universe would presumably evaporate in an instant. And it would be, it would, so people have looked for that. They've looked for little explosions, high energy explosions in the very early universe to see Gamma if they were bursts, primordial black holes. Small bursts. But yeah, we haven't yeah. found them though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, we got to wrap up this segment of. Cosmic Queries, the Out There edition. We'll be right back. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. This is Star Talk. Star Talk, Cosmic Queries, the Out There edition. This is the first time we've done an Out There edition. I think we have to do this more often. This is fun. And Jenna, you're like a neighbor up the street yeah. at, at Barnard in Columbia. Yeah, so, so absolutely. We'll just, I just take a stroll. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to like have a park. little bat signal to say, <laughs> <laughs> like, "Are you out there? We need you here for an Out There." Uh, Ed Harrison, again, thanks for being on Star My Talk. So you got uh, Cosmic Queries for oh, us. Yeah. What more do you have? Uh, we got. Well, let's make this entire segment the lightning round. All right. Absolutely. Oh, we're going to be faster. They used to give me a fair. bell. I don't know what happened to my yeah. bell. Um, <laughs> so, but a lightning round. So this will just be more soundbite answers, okay. just so we can get to more questions. Totally. Okay. Absolutely. Good. So we have Tony underscore LE738 on Instagram. Says they're an opposite to a black hole that just spews out things. White hole. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. A lot been, of- been there, done that. Yeah, <laughs> thing yeah. that just spews out endless garbage. Trump. Okay. Um, ben Ratner at Ben Makes TV on Twitter. What is your favorite recipe for a good soup? Primordial <laughs> soup. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, for me, a good soup would be all the basic ingredients that are the foundational to biochemistry. Carbon, nitrogen, oxygen. Carbon is the stickiest element on the entire table. It can make more kinds of molecules than any other elements combined. 
So, give me a soup with carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen in it, and I can show you life. So, I just happen to have a can of primordial soup on my shelf. <laughs> for, this, for those who are, don't have video, uh, it's Wallace's Condensed Primordial Soup. Can you read the ingredients on the primordial soup? The ingredients have? I used to be able to see. Uh, Is this a real Oh, meal? yeah, okay. Uh, uh, quick and easy instructions. Mix soup. One can of seawater, okay? Lightning. Heat. Uncovered in early years. <laughs> this goes <laughs> just like the early <laughs> earth here. Um, for two to three millennia, save the simple molecules to form larger, more complex molecules. <laughs> For a creamier soup, use one can of organisms. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that. So that, that'd be the best kind of soup at all. Okay. I prefer a split pea. All right, keep going, here. All right, we got Joshua Wilhelm from Facebook. If We're you still could, in quick mode, uh, yeah. lightning mode. If you could subtly know the answer to any question, what question would you choose? Subtly knowing the answer is so disappointing. As a scientist, the whole fun is figuring it out. I don't know if I'd subtly want to know the answer to any question other than when's my Uber coming or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just have to look at your phone. <laughs> yeah, that's not a mystery on that one. Uh, for Although me, they have physics that are unbelievable where like the car just jumps through a building and you're like, that was that was some physical possibility. <laughs> or just does a flip around and go, you know. Uber discover a black hole in the city? I don't know how it jumped. A wormhole, a wormhole yeah. through the building. Uh, so for me, the answer I want is to the question we don't know yet to ask. Because the day we learn what that question is, I no longer care. I will wait, await the day where the next question comes that I didn't know to ask. And it's, it, this is strongly resonant with Jana's answer, mm -hmm. where the quest to the answer, science is not so much about answers, but the search for answers. And that's where you learn, you stumble on things, you discover the structures of things you didn't even know. That was a question you needed to ask. So, yeah, I'm all, I'm all mm -hmm. into the search. So these are. I'd like to have the answer, just not suddenly. Oh, not suddenly. <laughs> I don't want it to be never either. Good. Never is frustrating. Very good. That's a very healthy posture. Otherwise, there's a psychological problem. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like yeah. an escape room. So within 60 minutes, that's generally when I need the answers. All right, we got Scott York at Instagram. Could dark matter or dark energy be any indication of alien technology that is beyond human comprehension? Ooh. Go. Don't look at me. <laughs> this feels more like a yeah. Okay, here's what I was... Here's, I'll give my answer, and then why don't we hear yeah. your answer, okay? okay? Just because there's something in the universe we don't understand doesn't mean it's aliens. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's magic. Otherwise, my VCR was made by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> you still have a VCR? Exactly. The fact that I oh have a God, VCR... Oh, my God, we really need to get you that grant. Right, my we, God. We reflect alien intervention somehow. First, you talk about Mary Tyler Moore, and you're talking about VCRs. How the hell old are you guys? Uh, uh, um, I'm sorry, my beeper went off. No, <laughs> your beeper. So, um, so, I think... Wait, now, what was the question again? Uh, could dark matter and dark energy be oh, yeah. uh, evidence of aliens? It's tempting. It's always tempting to ascribe something completely extraordinary as the cause for something we don't understand. We've been doing that forever. But as a scientist, you have to resist that because the history of that exercise is one of abject failure persistently. So to say, oh, it's actually magic, or it's actually God, or it's actually an alien, and then you study it, and it's it, it's reducible to known forces, or maybe you'll discover a new force, but it's still not magic, and it's still not God, and it's still not aliens. Mm -hmm. So if I'm betting, I would say it's probably not as much as we would really love it to be. 
You know, the place we should be looking for aliens is a place we actually know where to look, which is on exoplanets, where there really is a very serious prospect that there are aliens. Now, These are planets orbiting that, other stars. Yes, exactly. Planets orbiting other stars. We think that in our uh, Milky Way, of which there are hundreds of billions of stars, that there are probably more planets than there are stars in the Milky mm -hmm. Way. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's suddenly a stunning number that we didn't realize, what, 20 years ago. Yeah, but you're just talking about some kind of living organism. Right, I was going to say, we're talking about aliens. Talk to them. Serious, right? It's ray gun aliens, you know. Absolutely, they're, they're, they're aliens, right? Area fifty one. They're probably <laughs> more like the kind of thing you wipe off your shoe. Which is sad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> For sure. Some some primordial yeah. ooze that right. is itself yeah. a mat of life. Right. That's so you're so unfun with that. It's true, but unfun. Who knows? All right, uh, K Futch from Instagram. How many black holes are there? Mm. So in our galaxy, we just said that there are a few hundred billion stars in our galaxy. About 1% of that, them at the end of their lives are going to be big enough to collapse all the way through to become black holes. And so that's a lot, right? Yeah, 1% of 100 billion is a billion black it's holes. It's a billion black holes. Yeah. And in addition to that, we know that there are tens of thousands of black holes around the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. So the center of our galaxy harbors a black hole a few million times the mass of the sun, and it has tens of thousands of black holes specially segregated around it. So that's just our galaxy. Now you're saying in the observable universe there are as many galaxies as there are stars in the Milky Way. You've got a lot of black holes out there. And, and all evidence shows that every red-blooded galaxy, like the Milky Way, mm -hmm. has got a supermassive black hole in its center. Yeah. So, so we've got hundreds of billions of those, those yeah. and hundreds of billions times a billion of the reg of the smaller ones. Surrender now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. The worst Milky Way. Like the Milky Way candy bar that's realistic has a black hole in the middle of it. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jeek.2 at Instagram wrote, can a black hole eat another black hole? And if so, would oh, it contribute yeah. to its growth? Absolutely. Like a Pac-Man theory of black holes. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the most... Pac-Man? Wait, you, you references it so... <laughs> Pac-Man! Classic old. I love it, but I have to make fun of it because we got... Sure. Can we come to your house and see what you've got the setup there? This is amazing. I've a couple of 80s escape rooms recently, so it's on Do my mind. Do you have a cell phone? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's very large. Wait, it's what was the question? Oh, yeah, black holes eating other black holes. That mm -hmm. is... we One of the most exciting things that's happened this century is the direct recording of the sound of space-time ringing uh, due to the collision of two black holes, which if you want to call it them eating each other, you could. They merged and they created a bigger black hole. So each one was about 30 times the mass of the sun. And so we know that there's a black hole out there in that rough direction, as far as we could ascertain, that is 60 times the mass of the sun. And yes, they get bigger. They get bigger by almost as much as you would think. The energy that they lost in terms of like literally e equals mc squared energy that wasn't the sum of the parts came out in this ringing of space-time. And it was recorded by LIGO, this fantastic instrument. It happened in must It's have a new window to the universe that's measuring the ripples in the fabric of space yes. rather than the ripples in the energy of light. And this is what Black Hole Blues was all about. I was writing it while Your they book. were on this campaign. Yeah, and they hadn't succeeded while I was writing it. And I was really writing it precisely ties in with what we were talking about earlier about the pursuit and, you know, it was 50 long years that they strove to so, build this so instrument and make this So, wait a minute. Detection. The title of your book is Black Hole Blues. Is that because you didn't think they would find it? Yeah. And then they found it, and now yeah. your book has the wrong title. Yeah, so amazingly, Ray Wise, who won the Nobel Prize alongside Kip Thorne and Barry Barish for that discovery, said to me about a month before the detection occurred, if we don't detect black holes, this thing is a failure. And so I got the title really thinking about Ray saying that, mm. that he's now in his 80s. He started this as a young man and um, and it was the black hole blues. But they told me well before the book 
you know, came out. They told me about the detection. So I didn't want to rewrite it because I think it is all about the pursuit, but I do yeah. have a lovely close where they make the discovery. Okay. I didn't get to that close yet in yeah. your book. Now I'm going to go uh, go ahead to find it. Right, right. All right. Give me more. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we got Michelle Acampora from Facebook. If everything is supposed to be expanding away from each other, how come our galaxy is on a collision course with Andromeda? Okay. I got this. <laughs> we, I, I got I, this. I, I'm going to have to throw down afterwards. I got this. Uh, so the expansion of the universe is, think of it as a stretchy fabric. that if And it doesn't matter where you are, you'll think you're at the center of that stretching, and you'll see objects moving away from you in every direction. Objects that are near you will not be moving away as fast as objects that are farther away. Because every, let's say for every meter, it stretches 10 centimeters, Okay. Well, that means at two meters, it stretches 20 centimeters. Mm-hmm. At three meters, it's 30 centimeters. That's how stretching works in the fabric. So, all galaxies have speeds relative to each other. If you have a nearby galaxy, it's going faster than the stretching speed of the universe in, this spa- in the space near me. So, my gravity overcomes anything the universe is doing for things nearby. So nearby galaxies are going on like the universe is not expanding. They don't really care. Mm -hmm. Their gravity is strong enough to create motions that overcome the expansion of the universe itself. But we're not going to collide with a distant galaxy because the stretching of the universe is taking us away faster than that can ever happen. I just wanted to make reference to, I think it's Annie Hall, the line where um, oh, okay, uh, the, go on. the character um, won't do his homework because he's... The he, kid, he, the kid. Because the universe is expanding. Yes. And he's and his, his mother says, you live in Brooklyn. Brooklyn is not expanding. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. Brooklyn is not expanding for precisely the reasons Neil just gave, <laughs> that that the earth is bound together yeah. more strongly than the expansion can uh, tear The universe in this, in this section. Yeah, the, this expanding universe is not going to break apart the earth. Yeah. But now a bunch of developers have brought Brooklyn and it is expanding at an incredible pace. <laughs> All right, so we got... Uh, it's got to be fast. Kyle Toth from Venice, Florida. Uh, what lies ben- beyond the observable universe? Do we have an estimated size of the entire universe? Oh. I love this. Jana, take it. And by the way, well, we were still kind of in speed mode. Yeah. But we're going to end with your answer to this question. Okay. Okay. Lovely. No um, pressure. That's pressure's a lot of pressure. <laughs> a lot of pressure. Um, it is conceivable uh, that the universe is actually finite. In the same sense that the Earth is finite. If I leave New York City and I walk in as straight a line as possible and I go for as long as I possibly can, I come back to New York City again. Um, it is conceivable. Without ever falling with, off an edge. Without ever turning left or right, falling off an edge, going forward and backward. So you can walk forward forever. Forward forever. In and a just finite keep space. coming back around and around mm-hmm. and around again. Now, if the whole universe is like this, I literally would leave the Milky Way in a spacecraft. I would travel in a straight line, watch the galaxy recede behind me, not turn left, not turn right, never stop forward, not fall off the edge of the universe, but see the Milky Way approach in front of me again. Wow. How, long, <laughs> how many, how many we podcasts? We need a mic you... drop on that. Wait, wait, here, drop. Oh, there sorry. you go. <laughs> Did you hear it? That was, a, that was an audio mic drop right there. How many okay. seasons of this podcast would you have to listen to before you start the Milky Way again? <laughs> That's right. We would look back and because light has a finite travel time, we would hear podcasts from our past. Like you could look back and see yourself as a child Mm -hmm. if you waited long enough for the light to come back around again. From the other direction. From the other direction. Yeah. And and so we could actually resolve serious quandaries by being like, well, if we wait a billion years, we can actually watch it again. (laughs) 
just to get the, <laughs> the argument really straight happened. about who said what exactly. at, over dinner. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> who broke the plate, right? Who's this sad old astronaut alone? Like I told you, Janice, <laughs> this was all worth it. <laughs> so, so, but okay, so that's a finite universe, but mm-hmm. just as equally, the universe could be infinite. And, we, and we're just right. our own observable pocket within some mm-hmm. infinite universe. Right. It is also possible and, and that the universe is infinite and beyond the observable universe is this infinite stretch of space. But, you know, Einstein said only two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. And then he said, I'm not so sure about the universe. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like we should end on that note, doesn't An it? Einstein might drop. <laughs> Janet, it's great. And I, I've been Thanks, loving your book, fun. Black Hole Blue. The Black Hole Blues. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Harrison, thanks for coming back on Star Talk. Oh, my pleasure. And HarrisonGreenbaum.com. Uh, yeah. We'll look for your, where you, for your uh, stand-up gigs, and you're also a magician. Absolutely. Uh, and I've been your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. This has been Star Talk. And as always, I bid you to keep looking up. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.